0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm delighted to welcome you to the Business Elevation Show today. This is actually the 199th uh, unique show that I've done today, so uh, lovely to talk with you. Next show will be 200, uh, and I'm still loving um, spending my time talking with you and introducing some amazing guests to you, and today um, it's going to be wonderful to introduce Peter Comrie. We're going to talk about navigating uh, the business paradigm. I also just want to say uh, a big thank you to uh, Dorie Clark, who was on the show last week. She talks about standing out, and I think Uh, that show with uh, the show that I did with David Newman really gives a very comprehensive package about how to be a thought leader, market yourself and stand out from the crowd. So I would strongly recommend listening to those interviews if that's something that you're really um, seeking to do uh, with your uh, your life and your business or already are uh, in that um, sphere. So business is certainly changing and it's a real pace today. And one of the big questions I've been asked on several occasions is, how do I navigate that change? I'm therefore delighted to welcome Peter Comrie to the show. Uh, Peter is an entrepreneur, he's a lecturer, a scholar, he's a specialist in human dynamics. Uh, when I first spoke to Peter, he called me from his home in one of my favourite areas of the world, British Columbia, and we instantly struck up a great rapport, and within minutes we were entering a, a fascinating philosophical discussion on the changing world, and I think we spent a good hour uh, chatting that evening. And I soon realized that Peter was the man to give us a unique perspective on this question. He's been an international public speaker for three decades, a motivational attitude seminar and workshop facilitator. He's inspired incredible client lists, which have included organizations such as American Airlines and Canadian Airlines, and I can keep going on. He's very philanthropic in his outlook uh, as a founding member and vice chairman of UltraVest Charitable Services, um, a quality of philanthropy that I always admire in business leaders. So I'm expecting a fascinating interview today. Lots of great ideas to help us navigate this new uh, business paradigm. Um, Peter also today, he's the co-founder of, um, and human capital specialist with Full Spectrum Leadership, Inc. And he's also currently the CEO of V Academy. So a huge welcome to Peter Comrie.
3: Well, thank you very much, Chris. I'm very
2: excited to spend this time with you today. Wonderful. So, uh, So Peter, I think the first thing you should probably explain to us is, Um, why uh, somebody with a Scottish accent is now living in British Columbia. How did you end up there?
3: (laughs) Well, I'm exceptionally fortunate. I emigrated to North America, and Canada in particular, in 1975. Uh, I went to finish my schooling in England and Leicester, near where you are.
2: Yeah, amazing. And
3: uh, just loved the Midlands, Uh, was very excited about it, but was also at the time... Because of the governmental challenges that were taking place in in Great Britain in the mid-70s, I realized that the world uh, was a much bigger place uh, than Britain was presenting at the time and was presented a lovely challenge in North America and came over here. And although I've been here and actually been away from Scotland over 50 years, I've retained this accent, and I think it was the result of a throat infection I got when I was a child. (laughs) And they said it would go away when I grew up. So that kind of tells me where, where I am. But uh, it's very distinctive, and 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 actually, Chris, like your accent, it has worked exceptionally well for me in my career uh, because uh, it it has that unique sort of sounding uh, flavour to it, and 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 I've used it. Uh, judiciously in my practice to you know, allow me to get attention and use my voice uh, uh, very appropriately in my career. So it's been a great blessing to me. North America has been brilliant. Canada in particular uh, has been just a phenomenal place to live. There's a, I was saying to a class yesterday that uh, there's, a, there's 207 nation states in the world and in Canada, we have 128 distinct ethnic communities who all live in peace. And we're the only country in the world who can currently lay claim to that. And it's, it's, it's evidence of the acceptance and the ability of, of Canadians and the multicultural uh, influences that we have here to really have this little pearl in the sea of the, of the world that shines and is an example for everyone. So I'm very proud to be here. I love British Columbia. I live up in the high mountains, the the high mountain desert of uh, BC's mountains up in Kelowna, which is the wine region. So we have 140 some odd wineries uh, within 100 kilometres of where I live. So I'm exceptionally happy to be
2: here. Thanks, Having just, uh, just got myself through the floods, which are at the bottom of my drive, actually... Uh, to be here, and you're describing uh, British Columbia as a, a, an area that I've visited and uh, loved. Uh, I must admit, I'm feeling just a little bit jealous right now. Um, also, wouldn't mind being able to trip, uh, sort of, going to have a nice weekend tra- uh, salmon fishing or something like that, which I know you can do. Yes, we can. Over there. Um, so, oh, just one other thing you mentioned to me before we started. I know you are, you know, we described you there as a scholar, uh, and you explained to me that you've got. 14,000 books, that, uh, and you had two people cataloguing them. Um, you know, why is, to you, uh, reading and studying um, so important?
3: Well, it's, it's one of those, uh, in my world, is the relationships that I've been able to develop with authors. I think authors like yourself, Chris, and when I read your book, I felt I was much closer to you. As an individual, I understood your proposition. I got a sense of who you were as an individual, you and your co-author. And as a consequence of that, I learned very early in my study life, uh, actually in in Leicester, uh, the the importance of being a commitment to lifelong learning. I was very fortunate when I was younger to have the people that influenced me uh, in my study that there was nothing more important. In my world, other than my family, familial relationships, but in my career, there was nothing more important than being a commitment to study because it's dynamic, it's changing all the time. And it's authors like yourself who are really giving us a tremendous snapshot of what you are seeing in the world today. And I'm in my mid-60s, uh, I'm I'm dynamic, I'm healthy, I'm vibrant, I'm still a commitment to study, I work a full-time Uh, job long days and I love every minute of what I do but I would not be able to do it or have the conversations or discussions I do in my practice if I wasn't up to speed on what the current genre of writers are doing and as as you and I chatted pre-show this new generation of brilliant young dynamic insightful minds who are able to put their thoughts and their process and their proposition between the covers of a book that we get to, at my leisure, get to take in, get to study, get to question, get to look it up, get to have that conversation in book form with them and then add what I've learned to my practice, to my conversations that I share with my clients, with my students. Uh, with the companies I am privileged to work with that keeps me on the leading edge of where I believe what the leading edge of the changes that we're experiencing are. As I said earlier, I have no fears at all, Chris, about the leadership of tomorrow because, you know, I, I, I lecture part uh, time at the university, I, I'm with classes, I'm with young people all the time and they're, they're, they're fearless, they're technologically savvy they 're not uh, they 're they're, they're not governed by the covenants of previous generations they are excited about life uh, they, they say Mr Comrie, what do you mean we 're going to have to fight about dirt? Let me talk to my friend Kwame in South Africa on my tablet or Sheila in australia and they're they 're internationally connected they 've got lots of input coming back in conversations and the, the sort of dinosauric age or p- paleolithic age <laughs> I come out of uh, who are still technologically resistant, resistance is futile in this one. The technology is going to help us if we allow it to help us. It's going to become c- a better place. And I believe, Chris, with every fiber of my being, that the world will become a better place because really good people were really well connected and really well coached. And it's again young folks like yourself who are bringing out these brilliant works that allow us to be coached just by reading your book. That's a pretty terrific phenomenon to be in at this time.
2: I think yeah, for, for one part of my commitments to learning actually is this show. Uh, I, I read a I read a lot. I read quite extensively, but actually the opportunity and the privilege to talk to people like you every week and different people with different thoughts and ideas is hugely valuable to my own thinking. Um, I was sitting in the car yesterday going to see a, a client and thinking about how I was going to help them develop their business. So I, I list, listened to a past recording on thinking actually with a guy called Andy Gilbert. Uh, it just felt like it was the right one to listen to. And I picked up, you know, two or three things from that recording that were then directly applicable to help that client move forward yesterday. Um, so, uh, you know, it, I, 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 massively agree with you at that uh, just keeping keeping studying keeping learning and, and it's interesting Pat, if you find this if when you you talk to groups of people you can ask the question who's read a business book this year <laughs> it's amazing <laughs>
3: people <clears throat> up. Mm-hmm. well again chris you know if so so the, the the term i use in my classes is if if i don't if i stop reading today i am currently the sum total of everything i know mm. And will that be enough to take me progressively into the future? Likely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm.
2: And amazing how reading three books on a subject, you can become really quite knowledgeable on it. <laughs> oh yes. And 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 free from your
3: current the confines of your current knowing. Mm-hmm.
2: So tell us what do what do full spectrum leadership and v Academy do?
3: Oh, I'm very excited to explain this. Uh, <laughs> full spectrum leadership has been my company uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for over 40 years, and uh, the, the subtitle to full-spectrum leadership is Advancing the Practice of Personal Responsibility. So we don't do half-spectrum leadership. We do full-spectrum leadership. Advancing means moving forward. The practice, because we're never going to get it done, we'll always be practicing because we're the only mammal on the planet that's designed to learn until the day we die. So it's advancing, moving forward, the practice of personal because it is incredibly personal to us. Uh, The root meaning of responsibility is able to respond, our ability to respond. So it's advancing the practice of our personal ability to respond to that which we have created. Because we're the only mammal on the planet that functions from choice and not from instinct. And as we are having this conversation today, Chris, we are the sum total of every choice and decision we have ever made. And if we wake up in the morning and we're excited about life, <clears throat> there's money in the bank, the family's happy, everything is great, no bills, no stress, don't change anything. But if that's not the case, then there's other things we may want to be taking a look at. And because leadership is a personal proposition, uh, the root, <clears throat> remember, English is a is a really magnificent language, Chris, because it's a it's made up of a bundle of languages that were mushed together over many centuries to create the English language. That's why it's often a confusing language. But when we have then uh, been able to take leader, for example, which is an Indo-European word, lea means the other side of the mountain, where the path is. So li means path. Der which comes from the Germanic languages. Anytime we see dir at the end of a word, we know something was discovered or found. So leader in and of itself means pathfinder, not path follower. Mm-hmm. So advancing the practice of uh, personal responsibility by engaging full-spectrum leadership, taking ourselves, looking, investigating ourselves, showing up in the world uh, as a pathfinder, because that's the discovery Uh, where many centuries ago we navigated seas and countries and territories to discover. Here we're now doing it with mindfulness in and around business, education, where we live, how we advance as a society, uh, how we show up individually every single day by conscious choice and conscious awareness. So that's what Full Spectrum Leadership does. We have training classes that work in that uh, we have a, a significant corporate client base where we're, not, we're working with leader teams and coaching circumstances into the, into this, again, this new paradigm that we'll talk about uh, probably after the break uh, as what's going on in the world today. So as a consequence of that and as this new paradigm that we started into around the time of the financial realignment of 08-09, I sensed, as did many people, that things were shifting into a completely new paradigm. I never thought, Chris, that I would live long enough to experience a paradigm shift. In fact, I'd resigned not to. But after the financial realignment of 08-09, when things started to change because of the technologies and media that were now in place, and we'll talk about that later, uh, the 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 paradigm was shifting out of the thing that had carried it through the latter half of the 20th century, and we'll talk about where the old paradigm at the end of the century was, the old social organizing principle was money, and now the new social organizing principle as Gita Bell proudly proclaimed about five years ago, the new social organizing principle is relationships. Well, if you'll consider for a moment that relationships is the new social organizing principle the other side of the coin could only be one thing, and that is values. Because we only want to be in relationship with companies and organizations and associations and people that share our values. And this opened up a Pandora's box of awareness that is guiding us, and that's where V Academy came from, uh, because we realized that using psychometry that told us kind of who we were, there was no psychometric assessment out there that told us where we were. And we addressed that by creating V Academy, the values blueprint, and really bringing the conversation and the information about declared values, personal values, much further forward into the understanding. And if it started at midnight, Chris, we're not yet 10 seconds past.
2: There's a long, <laughs> way, there's a long way to go. It's an exciting thing. So we've got to go to commercial break. <clears throat> After the break, we'll look at... You know, some of the things that tipped us over into this new paradigm, what it you know a bit more understanding about what it really is, and uh, why relationships are just so important. We'll be so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
1: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realise your potential?
3: Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk That's Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
2: I, I'm With Peter Comrie, we're talking about the new business paradigm and navigating it. And I wonder, Peter, uh, firstly, you might just want to explain, if anyone's sitting here listening, what is a paradigm? Um, but secondly, what's tipped us over into this new one?
3: absolutely the the paradigm is the conditions and circumstances techniques and technologies that we're using to live our life in the time that we're in excuse me it's often mixed up or, or related with culture uh the culture that we've established you know what are the dynamics of the culture what is the dynamics of the circumstances this all creates what we know what we know as a paradigm now there's been, there was a number of paradigm shifts in recent centuries, but recently in our experience, Chris, the the financial realignment that took place in 08-09 was very significant. There had been lots of little shifts in the 20th century, but in, and there was lots of economic issues where there had been recessionary times and almost verging on depressionary times, especially in the latter half. And what we realised that there was particularly uh, significant social organising principles. So, if I can just give you qu- just a quick snapshot of the 20th century. Mm. In in the depression, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a bit of a frog developed, and I'll get past that. In the in the early part of the 20th century, when we in North America especially, when we were dealing with the depression, the social organising principle was survival, because most people especially after the First World War and the, and the incredible downturn and everything. Survival was the thing that was driving everything. And that really went right up through into and was really the harbinger in the, in the ideal conditions for the Second World War to even occur. But let's move <clears throat> towards the end of the Second World War. During the war, during the Depression, families were very disrupted. So immediately after, remember the, the media at the time also Chris was newspaper magazine a little bit and radio so think about keep that in mind for a moment hmm. towards the end of the war uh, we started to realize as the war was ending the new social organizing principle was becoming family because people were coming back together after the war family was really the focus but the, there was a new media came out in the in the early 50s called television and people, smart people started to realize that television was addictive and they could use it to sell stuff. And back in the 50s, you started to see images of lifestyle, <clears throat> big boat, land yacht, cars, Gidget, the green, uh, the house with the white picket fence, uh, vacations, holidays. Well, <clears throat> coming out of the Second World War where money was an issue, Uh, And this new social organizing principle of families, if we wanted to get those images that we saw on television, we had to make more money. And that was the birth of the personal development industry because people realized if you want to make more, you had to learn more. And you had to grow more. In fact, many companies at that time, Chris, were actually created to fulfill that need. Companies like Amway, Holiday Magic, many of whom are still here today to give people the opportunity to learn more, grow as an individual, earn more, and buy what was being advertised to them on this new media called television. So, newspaper, radio, television were really the media's all the way through the depressionary, the recessionary times, the early nineteen eighties when we got through it. Very controlled media, and, and, and the thing you need to know about me, Chris, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, shape, or form, but I do recognise an agenda when I see one.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, in coming in, uh, so money became the social organising principle from the early, from the late fifties right through all of the latter half of the 20th century, because we started to measure how well we were doing by the size of our house, the car we drove, the watch we wore, the bag we carried, all of that status stuff. Um, and then came the financial realignment of 08-09, and a new media had now matured, and it was called the Internet. And it was immediate, it was transparent, and we could, there was no place for the bad buggers to hide. When we realized that people were being toxic investments were being dumped on them and pension funds were being adversely affected by financial services companies, because people who had made a lot of money had actually given up responsibility for their financial future by acquiescing it to financial planners and investment gurus et al. And the zero eight zero nine adjustment showed how weak that system really was. But because of the transparency and the immediacy of the Internet, we started to wrestle a word back from the environmentalists called sustainable, sustainability. Yep. And we started to ask, the, everyone started to ask the question, is what we are doing as a business sustainable? Is our, are our relationships sustainable? Is how we are, you know, conducting ourselves in society sustainable? And it was really wonderful because one of the things that came up, Chris, is we started to realize that you can't have unlimited growth thinking we have infinite resources. That just doesn't work. And so as a consequence of that, we started to look at our relationship with the planet, our relationship with our communities, our relationship with our clients, with each other, with our families. And, and for the very first time in my adult experience, uh, we're, and many others that we were able to validate it with, that the paradigm was changing, where money was no longer impo- as important as we thought. It's still very important because of the economics we live with, but it wasn't as important as the meaning and purpose of our being. I'll give you an example, Chris. I have a friend of mine who uh, works with an investment fund in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And right now there's about $560 million in the investment fund and there's no place for it to go. Why? Because the people who invested in it brought a set of standards to the fund that said, we don't want to be investing in companies that rape the planet. We don't want to be investing in companies that use child labor or make firearms. Or are environmentally unconscious. So there's an ethic that is now building where even investment funds who the investors are saying, no, 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 no. We want to be involved in things that are sustainable, that provide good work, are ethical. And this was a big shift, Chris. So an understanding that, that as Gita Bellen, who's out of Britain, brilliant lady, Uh, I heard her in an interview five years ago say, the new social organizing principle is now relationships. And we don't argue with Gita because she's a brilliant woman and she studies it well and she's a great commentator. And as we started to look at it and said, okay, if indeed that is so, the other side of the coin has to be values. And while we will all agree, Chris, that we all live 24-7 from a set of core values, what we discovered is that over 90% of the population didn't know what theirs were.
2: Yes, and we yes. went.
3: Wow, that is an interesting thing. So, so uh, my partner Alan, who's in Wales, uh, in the UK, and I were talking about it a few years ago, and I needed a tool that I could help uh, with my client base and my corporate client base really understand the arena we were moving into and how I could help them really get a a handle on this whole values conversation. And I went back to my history in psychometry and psychometric assessments, and I couldn't find one. I could find lots of assessments that told us who we were, you know, psychologically and behaviorally, but none sociologically, none that told us how we were in society. Uh, So Alan and I, because of our particular backgrounds, Alan is the architect of the Values Blueprint. I I know psychometry and neuroscience very well. And we created a a product called the Values Blueprint, and we created V Academy, because we realized that for the the position I'm in in life, Alan's almost 20 years younger than I am, that Values was going to be the conversation that would see me to the end of my life. And I couldn't be more excited about it. And bringing that information forward to help people understand how values are created, how they're demonstrated in our day to day life, how we show up, the conscious awareness that we get to build around our value proposition for living, and then really make it part of a tool. Or a b- part of the toolbox that people use to be successful in life and navigate their career and the, and the opportunities that they, that we have. So, as I had mentioned earlier, all of the psychometric assessments that we saw in the marketplace, and there's like over 2,500 in the world, mm. all told us who we were. But there wasn't one that told us where we were. And that's what we were able to do with the, with the Academy and the Values Blueprint. And we're three years in, and it's working very uh, well. We're very excited. We're the only one that does it in the world today. We won't be the only one. There will be others. And then we'll just rebrand it to being the first. Uh, but right now we're the only, and uh, we. it's a very exciting proposition because it gives people – an opportunity, still using psychometry because that's a handy tool. Neuroscience is neuroscience, which is not that complicated. We often think it is to really define where our natural leaning is when it comes to the four quadrants of the brain, uh, how we, uh, where we are naturally rooted in our value proposition, how to give it language, bring information for it forward in a very simple. Uh, but a you know, very simple, but maybe not so easy, but a very simple way and invite people in to take their value proposition, study it, validate it, and then make the decision, the conscious choice to show up in the world in this new paradigm with a value proposition that's unassailable. And that is the stand that they take for being who they are in life. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I think yeah. I mean, so, so basically… Are you identifying what's, what's important? Is this, is this more individual or do you do this with corporate? It's,
3: it's, prim- it's primarily individual. Then we bring them together in the associated teams within the corporate circumstance.
2: Okay, I've got you. So, you so, so values, to me, values is what's important to you. Um, what I'm intrigued with is your, your, your tool identifies where we were. Um, what do you mean by where we were?
3: No, where we are. It's where a we snapshot, are. Uh, Chris, where is a snapshot, Chris, of where we are today.
2: Oh, fine. Got you. Our today, and then- a, So
3: not who you are. There's other ones that do that, like MBTI, DISC, and all of those traditional ones. But where you are, remember, psychometric assessments is just a, like a Kodak moment of where you are today.
2: Oh, that's fine. I, I, thought you, I thought you said where we were. I, I got confused by that. So, I, yeah, absolutely. It's a snapshot in time. And then from that basis, what you can it can help you do is to... Uh, define your future or with, with the right value set? Is that
3: well? It's working with a coach because you can only take the values blueprint in association with a coaching experience, and the coach helps guide through the information. Remember, and we were able to tie it, Chris, to nature, and this is what was delightfully important because, like, we don't mess with the seasons the spring, summer, fall, and winter. There's a spring, summer, fall, and winter in your career, right? Right. For example, I'm in the either the late fall or early winter of my career at 65 years old. Yep. Uh, here we are in the, in the spring of the day in where I am in British Columbia, but you're in the fall of the day in Great Britain. So the seasons work in every single day. And what so often happens is that we we don't get to use nature. Uh, as much as we should we go to the nurture place and nurture certain activities but often what's happened uh, Chris in the old working paradigm is that we were actually doing work out of the season uh, that we should be doing it with and that's what causes burnout where we should be we're we're in the winter season of the week and we're doing spring activities Mm. we should be resting and preparing for the new spring Uh, and it's like when a wind, when a field goes fallow in the fall after it's been harvested, when it gets to rest and be prepared for the planting for a new spring, it's exactly the same in our value proposition and how we work as individuals. So with the Values Blueprint, we were able to tie nature to, to the natural cycles that go on. Uh, and it was delightful when we were able to harmonize the nature and nurture components of our personal development.
2: So, so does this give you, with with the the help of a coach, does it give you an indication in terms of even down to a daily basis? Then, when you sh- how you should be behaving and operating? Oh, absolutely! Yes, yeah, absolutely. As, as well because as weekly, monthly, yearly.
3: Absolutely, because as I said at the head of the program, Chris, we're the only mammal on the pa- planet that functions from choice and not from instinct. Mm. For example, I made when when I woke this morning. As soon as my eyes opened, I consciously made a decision for the social organizing principle of my day. And my social organizing principle personally for today is gratitude. So everything I do today is foundationed in the value of gratitude. I'm grateful to be here with you. Uh, today because it's an experience I've been really looking forward to. I was grateful for the webinar with my partner and our coaches uh, an hour before our, our conversation this morning. I was grateful uh, my car broke down the other day and my wife drove me to work in her, my office in her car. I was enormously grateful that she took the time to get me mm-hmm. here on time. So gratitude was a social organizing value for my day. And we get to do that every day, Chris. But what happens is we tend to get up And get into summer mode when we should be in spring mode, and say, "Let's prepare the day properly." It doesn't take long, but to conscious with great conscious awareness, decide and commit to how we are going to be in that day, regardless of the conditions that come at us.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and then you are personally taking leadership responsibility for your day you're not you're not in cause you're not reacting uh, you are you're you are <laughs> flowing into it but well, we call it we call it
3: chris life by design and not by
2: accident yes yes excellent excellent well we're going to go to another commercial break now and after the break i want to talk a little bit more about this um about about knowledge and about learning and uh, some of your perspectives on on that and where you think we're heading from here so uh, we're going to go to commercial break now but after the break uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes
4: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you.
4: What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it? so you can make the right decision every single time. Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper with Peter Comrie. We're talking about navigating the new business paradigm. And if you want more information on the shows that are coming up, um, take on shows that have uh, passed, and uh, information that will help you to elevate your business, then please go to chriscooper.co.uk. Please uh, click on sign up at the top of the page and subscribe to the monthly communication, and we'll be sharing um, information with you and, and connecting with you. And if you've got any questions about the show, do feel free to connect with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. So um back to Peter. Uh, Peter, you um we we talked about in, in preparing um this show, we talked about you know democratization of knowledge and learning. Is is knowledge and learning being de- democratized? And I think what I mean by that being made available to everyone, or, or is it some is, is some of it carefully controlled, uh, like you were talking about you know, the, the press many years ago and, and the way they may have been, perhaps, controlled. <laughs> well, Maybe still be, well, actually.
3: Well, Chris, this is absolutely, without question, one of my favourite parts of the subject that we deal with. Yes, most certainly knowledge and learning has been democratised because of this magnificent thing called the internet. And uh, it doesn't matter where we are. If we can get online, and and trust me on this, there are techno- disruptive technologies that are currently being worked on, that is going to make internet available to every single person on the planet. It won't be that long. I'm anticipating I will be fortunate enough to see that in my lifetime. And I couldn't be any more excited than I am. I had the opportunity a number of years ago uh, to investigate a new idea that was being circulated uh, by Shia Rashef. <clears throat> and Shia Rashef is the president of University of the People. And he was making a proposition that he was going to make uh, graduate uh, courses available to people in the world for no charge, no money. Think about this for a moment. been able to take a master's degree uh, from Afghanistan, and it doesn't cost you a penny, or India, or Pakistan, or China. <clears throat> and the Shia, and his brilliance, uh, and I deeply admire this man's commitment to making the world a better place. Uh, with University of the People was an example. There's a number of others. The Agcan University a number of other organizations who are bringing the graduate-level work and information and education available to anyone that can get online and then subsidizing many of them uh, who cannot yet do that. But eventually that's going to be resolved. And as a consequence of that, I mean, we can go on Google and find out about neuroscience. We can uh, get opinions on relationships. We can get information on values. And this magnificent tool that has de- developed and and Chris I've got to share this. The I you and I are a part of a unique generation. We are the only generation who have lived our lives both without and with the internet. Yes. And and here we are in two thousand and sixteen with this like I am in awe of what I am able to learn as a consequence of being able of being online. And The fun we have, if I can't get online, I say the Internet is down. Well, the Internet's not down. It's never going to be down. It's always going to be there. And the amount of information uh, that is being placed on it through TED Talks, Google, uh, RSA, that wonderful organization out of London, uh, who are putting this magnificent content that is made available to us from the comfort of our own desks, and if we're a commitment to learning and we want to learn there's no there are no barriers other than the ones that we place upon ourselves to learning whatever we need to learn well you know this is going to be a challenge to the university systems and the tenure systems where universities are charging you know tens of thousands of pounds and dollars for people to get Degreed because the, uni- the the business of universities is going to be, uh, you know, it's under pressure because of disruptive technologies that are coming out. We know that, Absolutely. Chris, that artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, right? like I can you just can't imagine what these can do for us in the time that we get to experience and get to engage with them. So when I say democratizing knowledge, it's, the, it's the making available to everyone that can, has the, 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 the willingness and the opportunity to be online. There are no barriers today to learning. And in the 20th century, one of the barriers to learning was money. If you didn't have the money, you couldn't go to university or college. Well, we're tearing that one down with people like Shia Rousheff, the Aga Khan, and they're only beginning. That's going to, because it's going to be environmentally responsible, socially responsible for learning or higher learning organizations to be making this available to anyone that wants it. Because think about it for the moment, Chris. You imagine for a moment if we could magnify by 1,000 doctors and environmentalists. And these brilliant young minds that may be currently in China and India and Pakistan and Afghanistan, in Africa, in Britain, in Europe. And we made available to them and brought the magic of who they are into society today, how better this place can could become as this jewel, this blue jewel in the middle of space where we actually honour the planet that we live on, because we want to make it sustainable, we honour the people that are on it because of their contribution uh, and and the the philanthropic proposition that they have of giving back. That's what I see is the promise with the democratization of knowledge and learning and making it available to the bright young minds with the magic that's going on in them that we just have to uncork.
2: I think it, that's hugely hugely true. I mean, I, I just think sometimes. I've interviewed on this show maybe 220, 230 thought leaders and experts. Um, we've done nearly 299 200, episodes now. And actually the content from these uh, wonderful people like yourself who've you know, achieved amazing things or thought leaders on different subjects, business leaders, actually there's probably more value in this program than the four-year degree course that I went on many years ago just in, in the archive. And it's, um, it's accessed in over 50 countries the the archive, and it's available to people for free. Uh, And if you just, you know, people just took some of the principles and learnings and that they would pay a lot of money to see people like yourself or myself speak, but it's all here. It's for free, and you get it from the internet, and that's just this show alone. It's incredible.
3: And your contribution, Chris, is profound. I mean, one of the reasons I was so very excited to come and play with you today is that when we met and we were introduced by Alan over in Britain, my partner, my partner, and I went and I checked out, you know, looked at Chris Cooper, listened to some of your shows. You were great, you know, kind enough to send me one as well, which I did. And I'm thinking, good grief. What I mean, what I, my contribution pales to insignificance when I look at the contribution you've made. And, and trust me on this, I don't need to blow smoke up anyone's bum. Uh, but the, the, the value of the contribution that you have just on this show and you're archived, you're right, is better than a four-, five-year degree.
2: Quite interestingly, I've one university that I, I, I work with, and I like you, I sort of guest lecture occasionally, is interestingly, um, you know, some of the students, they don't, um, don't listen to it in the way that I thought they might, because actually I think they're just passing their time. <laughs> they're going away to college to have a social time and do some studying and come out with a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. That's what I sometimes sense, not with everyone, not with everybody. There are some amazing people like you've identified, but but actually there is, uh, there is so much additional wisdom for the right people. And one of the things you, you said to me, which I want to just touch on um, before the end of this show, which I think is very valuable, just share with people these statistics around the population and leadership because you know, I think it, it is, there's only a small percentage of people who actually are our leaders and actually are out there. Do you want to share that, those, that information with us? I think that- Absolutely,
3: I'd be happy to. But but let me put something in the, in, the, in the frame before I do that. Is that we've been doing this research uh, every two years. We do it uh, consistently with the AMA, the American Management Association, and Harvard University. They, they do it, and we extrapolate out of that. Uh, I want everyone to be aware of the Pareto principle, by, defined by Arturo Pareto, which is, most people would know it as the eighty twenty rule. So here's the numbers. Now, folks, if you're listening to this, uh, please position yourself where you know you are, not where you think you are, but where you absolutely know you are, because it will be important. And also, the final thing before I go into it, Chris, is always the understanding that leadership is assumed, never granted. We step into leadership... Because if somebody grants us or leadership or gives it to us, they can take it away from us
1: mm.
3: so so leadership is assumed, never granted, so from that place, what we 've discovered over thirty four years is that ninety seven percent of the population want to be led or are currently being led now um, anyone that 's listening to this show has a deep likely an understanding of the awareness of the high level of disengagement in the working world so the Pareto principle kicks in and we discovered around about 80% of the work real work is being done by 20% of the people that's why there's a high level of disengagement but the reason there's a high level of disengagement in the people that are being led is they don't trust the leaders and that's what causes much of the disengagement so trust is a big issue and one of the principal values because if there is no trust Nothing much happens. So, 97% of the population either want to be or are currently being led. Only 3% of the population are even eligible to be in the conversation about personal responsibility and leadership. Only 3%. And then the Pareto principle kicks in again, and only 1 in 5, which is 0.6 of 1% of the population, are actually doing it. What is doing, taking personal responsibility for the entire life experience and are actually leading. And I've done this audit, Chris, with many people over many years. And typically we found, and if I I said it with you earlier, if I looked at your, if everyone you know, and you know a lot of people, chances are 97% of them, around 97%, are either being led or want to be led. 3% are talking are in the conversation about personal responsibility and leadership, but only one in five of them are actually doing it. So we know then, and this is why at Full Spike from Leadership, we do this research uh, because we want to be efficient and economical and practical and serve. My life purpose is service. I was raised in a service environment. My company's a service company. So we want to be very sure that we're serving the people that we're supposed to be serving. And that is the 0.6 of 1% of the population who have personally chosen to lead themselves and show up in the world as a leader, as a pathfinder, as the one that carves their way through the terrain, navigate it well, inspire people, keep them safe, are integral and absolutely clear on the purpose that they have for being on this magnificent planet. If that makes
2: sense. It does, and I think I think you there's a really interesting point that you raised there. That you know, people like yourself and uh, and and myself, who maybe you know, spending a lot of time in that 0.6 percent of the population, you know, we we want other people to kind of unfold and realise their potential too. But what might be right for you is not necessarily right for them, and it's their own path and journey. But if we can, if we can open a few more more minds to. To taking that route forward i think that's got to be a good thing and a good thing for the the planet and the world i i had um you know i see you know i see that reflected in in students in terms of that percentages those percentages as well it's you know it's a, it's a small percentage of them are really out there wanting to to make a difference as others are just going for a piece of paper and then we will go on and be led um but i had one student contact me last year and he contacted me with a question he said How do I do what you do? Because that's what I want out of my life, and I I thought that was so impressive that he would bother to give me a ring Mm. (laughs) in the first place and try and find out. And um, you know, those I think he's going to go a long way. I'm pretty sure he will do.
3: Absolutely, Chris. And I think one of the things that you do, and I've worked to do in my career, is encourage curiosity. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yes. I was a student in the late '60s and early '70s in your neighbourhood at the time of the nuclear crisis uh, of what we thought was the nuclear crisis, and everyone was running afraid. Oh, we're going to blow ourselves up! I said, No, we're not. That will never happen. Why? Because we're too curious. It's like today. I say to people, We're not going to destroy the planet. We're not going to do that. We're got the planet. We will save the planet. The planet will be just fine. We're going to be okay. Why? because we're just too curious. We're not ready to be done. There's too many things left to learn, too many experiences to have, too many things to be knowledgeable about, too many things to be make up the adventure of living.
2: We're too curious. I interviewed, not not on this show, but I did a video interview with a, a gentleman who was um, Andy Marshall, who's a senior guy in Costa Coffee. He was the international Uh, Managing director, I think, and he was explaining how curiosity was the number one thing they look for in their recruitment policy Mm -hmm. and and, and evidence of it.
3: Yeah, and that's when, when we talked to the head of the show, Chris, the book management problem that I have uh and and my wife bless her who's also does oversight on my company uh says you you establish a book budget at the beginning of the year and you blow it all to heck by the first quarter i said yeah i'm just too curious <laughs> well
2: we've got to we've got to go now um, we're actually at the end of the interview I've, I've lost track with enjoying the conversation i just wonder if you've got a final message you'd like to leave us with just quickly One.
3: absolutely uh, chris the God didn't make any accidents and there's no such thing as a broken person. Every person walking the face of this earth has the absolute right to be here and, a, and the right to live in joy. And our job is to clear away all that brush, all that rubbish that we've created and made up so that we actually experience the true joy of living.
2: Great advice. Uh, wonderful uh, way to end the show. And uh, lots of great points there from Peter. I think well worth thinking about this new new paradigm and how you fit into it, how you navigate into it, uh, and uh, you know, extend your curiosity, uh, and uh, you know, why not? Why not be one of those people who's out there making a difference and contributing to this uh, this world that we that we live in? So, once again, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Chris, it was my pleasure indeed. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome.
2: Next week's uh, next week's show, um, we're going to um, play uh, have a show with. Um, Jamil Ahmed and Gareth Bullen about entrepreneurship. So do join us about that if you uh, want to be an entrepreneur within your organisation and really uh, make a difference and make uh, waves. So um, just to find out more about Peter Comrie, go to um, uh, HTTP. Um, is it www.vacademy.com? Yes, uh, V-C-A-D-E-M-Y, academy.com Excellent. And you've got under the site Full Spectrum Leadership. Do you want to just share that one quickly as well? Yes,
3: this is where you get to know more about uh, me personally and what I do is uh, HTTP
2: www.fullspectrumleadership.ca. Fantastic. Have a great week, everybody. Any questions, I'll connect, contact, feel free to get in touch with uh, myself. or I'm sure um, Peter would be happy to hear from you as well. Uh, have a great week.
1: We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.